Brother Lee Stone King is coming with an Arise and Shine ministry. Let's give the Lord a clap offering right now. Hallelujah. Drugs leave you senseless. Alcohol leaves you breathless. But Jesus leaves you sinless. There is no saint without a past. There is no sinner without a future. And to those of you who have had a past, and to those of you who have a future, there is a burden I want to share with you tonight. It started before Christmas this past year. And there's something that's beginning to haunt me. If you look in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, In verse 3, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible, referring to John the Baptist, says in Mark 1 and 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Say voice. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. His earthly ministry and mission accomplished. Verse 50 says, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Notice that he led them to Bethany. But from Bethany to Jerusalem, they went on their own without him. He's coming. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14... The Apostle Paul said in verse 10, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. And none of them is without, in essence, significance or importance or take knowledge of them. I simply want to entitle this tonight, Voices. Would you lift your hands, your hearts, your voices, and would you pray sincerely from the very deep of your soul for just a moment. Lord Jesus tonight, at the conclusion of this tremendous conference, where all facets of your personality have been displayed, where all the magnitude of your glory has walked among us, now, O oh Master of the universe, once again, Pull us together into one mind and one accord. 
Bless by the touch of your hand, by the sound of your voice. Anoint these lips of clay and cause me to speak as the oracle of the Lord. Help us to remember tonight. Help us to hear clearly. I pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may go down clapping. Would you clap your hands with all of your might for just a moment? And would you lift your voice unto the Lord? A voice of triumph. Because there is triumph in this house of God. Hallelujah. Everybody still is not doing it. I wonder what it would sound like if everyone clapped their hands and gave forth their voice to the Lord. Can you feel it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the early 1970s, something fell into my hands accidentally that changed my life forever. It was a simple article printed in a Sunday school brochure or pamphlet that they handed out each Sunday morning. I was in a pastor's study in the state of Connecticut waiting to go out to preach and picked up this article and began to read. It simply said, Dr. N. Jerome Stowell, a leading nuclear scientist in the United States of America, said, With a delicate instrument which we have devised, we can measure the wavelengths of the brain. Recently, we checked the emanations from the brain of a woman near death. She was praying at the time, and we could tell that something about her was reaching toward God. The meter on this instrument which we had devised pegged or registered 500 positive. This was 55 times the power registered by a 50 kilowatt broadcast station sending messages around the world. In the same hospital, we trained the meter on the brain of a man cursing God. The meter pegged 500 minus. These are two extremes so far indicated on the instrument. This scientist says, we are on the threshold of spiritual discoveries. No one can fathom the literal pull a Christian exerts when he is in personal contact with God. It is tangible, far beyond the comprehension of mortality. It is similar in one sense to that which we know as radar. These experiences have caused me to turn to God. I have been a Christian only a short time, and I know little of the way. This I do know. The things of God are positive. He said, I will endeavor to keep my life far above the zero indication. The world little realizes the impact of believing prayer. It is a moving of the resources of the infinite. And something inside of me leaped. My mind began to dream. And things inside of me began to fall into place. I thought, God.
if a woman in a weakened condition near death was praying to God and her intensity in her weak state was 55 times the power registered by a 50 kilowatt broadcast station sending messages around the world. My God, my God, what would a Pentecostal's prayer do that was prayed up strong and alive? It would blow the instrument to pieces. It would blow it to pieces. And in those days, they were putting these tell stars in outer space. And I went to God and I said, God, I'll take it a step farther. I will use your throne as my tell star. I will beam my prayers towards your throne. You will bend them down in Asia and in Africa and on the other side of continental USA. I will use your throne as my tell star. And something got a hold of me that changed my life forever I have come to believe I am totally convinced I am altogether persuaded I am totally totally fanatic about what I'm going to say now I am convinced thoroughly convinced that through prayer there is no problem that can't be solved there is no sickness that can't be healed there is no burden that can't be lifted there is no storm that can't be withered there is no devastation that can't be relieved there is no sorrow that can't be erased there is no poverty cycle that cannot be broken there is no sinner that can't be saved. There is no perishing that can't be rescued. There is no fallen that can't be lifted. There is no hurt that cannot be removed. There is no broken relationship that cannot be mended. There is no difference that cannot be dissolved. There is no hindrance that can be shaken. There is no limitation that cannot be assaulted. There is no mourning that cannot be comforted. There are no ashes that cannot become beauty. There is no heaviness that can't be covered with the garment of praise. There is no thirst that can't be quenched. There is no hunger that can't be filled. There is no dry ground that can't be flooded. There is no desert that can't blossom. There is no congregation that can't be revived. There is no preacher that can't be unctionized. There are no church pews that can't be filled. There is no church board that cannot become one. There is no community that can't be Christianized. There is no nation that cannot be transfigured. There is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing that God cannot do by prayer. If we will pray, you can change a church. You can change a pastor. You can change a district board. You can change anything. We can change anything. Because inside of us, there is a power that reaches out to God and never returns empty. It's like a hand. It's like a hand. It's like a voice. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to pray? Is there anybody here tonight that wants to try it? Is there somebody near you lost? Is there somebody you represent that needs to be delivered? You can throw your hands in the air. You can lift your voice to God and he will answer by fire would you clap again and would you pray for that somebody for that someone for just a moment in time Jesus Jesus
if you believe that he heard you, you may be seated. But would you put a tail on that and clap one more time in exaltation, in adoration, in veneration, in praise. Because God is worthy of our praise. People, there's no one like him. There never has been. There never will be again. There is nothing like what we feel here. It cannot be bought or sold. It cannot be bargained for. But in this house tonight, it is for whosoever will. It is free to those who will reach out and take it. I'm a taker. I'm a taker. I'm a taker because he's a giver and I know him. There's nothing like this. There's nothing like this. There never will be again. So we've got a right to do it. We've got a right to shout, a right to leap, a right to exclaim, a right to proclaim, a right to preach, a right to demonstrate, a right to declare it. We've got a right because I know him. We've heard about it all week. But in spite, but in spite of all I have just recited for you, you have to somewhere decide on an individual basis how much of Jesus you want and how much of yourself you are willing to give. Your entire future in God depends on the answers that you give to those two questions. How much of Jesus do I really want? How much of myself am I willing to give? You can hate your business, you can hate your job, but manage it right and you can make it. But not in this. Not in this. You have to love this and you have to serve it to make it. It's not enough to have the truth, you must love the truth. It's not enough to be able to Paul Parrot, you must love it. There must be something in you that loves this more than anything else. And obviously there's a house full of people here tonight who love what they've been hearing and what they've been touching and what they've been seeing and what they've been feeling. It's not enough to have this, you must love it. The interesting thing to me is this. The Bible says he led them to Bethany. But from Bethany to Jerusalem, they had to make it alone. And they made it without even the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because there was a promise waiting for them in Jerusalem. May I say tonight that there are some things God will lead you just so far in. And you're going to have to walk the rest of the way by yourself. And as far as I'm concerned, that is exactly where the United Pentecostal Church is tonight. He's led us just as far as he's going to lead us. We've heard the greatest singing. We've heard the greatest preaching. We've had the greatest teaching. We've got the greatest programs. We can preach this thing. It's coming out of our ears. You can go home and memorize these tapes and stand up and do it. And if you want foreign soil in a strange neighborhood, it'll work for you. You can baptize them because you're a believer. You can lay hands on them and they'll get healed because you're a believer. You can pray them through to the Holy Ghost because you are a believer. I feel tonight there's a voice coming from God that says go do it I've led you just as far as I'm going to lead you get up and do something he said to Joshua get up and do something and God is saying to us tonight get up and do something you were into it this afternoon with brother Billy Cole because I was watching it it was phenomenal it was apostolic it was powerful it was biblical it was something from ancient days that walked in here but you can't stop doing it when you leave because of the times you've got to take it back wherever it is 
places you come from and no matter what they say no matter what they think no matter what you think they think no matter what you think they might think or say you've got to do it it doesn't matter what they say it doesn't matter what they think you've got a hold of something and you dare not let it die because there's a command coming that says just go do it just go do it you've heard it for X amount of years now just go do it Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not sure you're totally convinced about that. But you've got to do it. There is a voice that says, just go do it. It's not some big mystery. It's not some big mystery. Everybody say, I've got it. Say it again. These signs shall follow them that believe, the Bible says, in my name, in my name, in my name. What is his name? There is no name like unto it. There is no power like unto that name. There is no glory like unto that name. You are a believer and you've got a right to practice everything that's written in that book about believers. That's what our problem is in this whole thing. We have sat back and waited for someone else to do it or been prevented from doing it and the bars are coming down and the walls are being torn down and the gates are being opened and people are beginning to find out who they really are and what it is they really have a hold of. Say, I've got it. What have you got? You've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what you've got. You've got a name that surpasses any other name. Devils tremble in the presence of the name of Jesus. They tremble at the mention of the name of Jesus. Diseases vanish at the mention of his name. Devils walk out and go back to the pit from whence they came. People, we really do have it. 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 But you've got to come to grips with that. You've got to believe that. And you've got to do more than just believe it. You've got to demonstrate it. You've got to demonstrate it. What would happen? What would happen if every believer in our churches would become actively involved in laying hands on each other, in ministering in the Spirit, in going out on the streets and pulling people in? What would happen if all of us everywhere got involved in doing this? It would shake this entire nation. It would shake this entire nation. Because God, God used one man Noah to build an ark. And he saved a whole human race. He used Abraham to start a nation. Just one man. One man Joseph to preserve that nation. One man Moses brought Israel out of Egypt. One woman Esther delivered the whole of her people. One woman Deborah did much the same. One man Elijah turned the people back to God. One man and Samson destroyed the Philistines. One man, David, killed a giant and established the royal house of David through which omnipotence and deity would someday be fused and it would be told to us his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel by way of explanation but the name of Jesus for identification. There is no name like unto it. There is no name like unto it. There is no power like unto the power of the name of Jesus. Say Jesus again. Jesus. Can you feel that? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Again. Jesus. Something happens. Say it one more time.
man John the Baptist praised the trail for the Messiah one man Paul to reach a Gentile world God doesn't need numbers he just needs a man though he wants us to stick together he said to Hezekiah what do you want Hezekiah you want me to back it up or run it forward those things don't matter to God they matter to us but they don't matter to God he can do anything he wants to when he wants to how he wants to he can break his own laws he can do exactly what he wants to do and if you and I will just egg him on he will do a whole lot more you know how to do it if you lift your hands in the sanctuary of the Lord if you will cry out his name in exaltation and in praise God will do the miraculous he will do the miraculous I tell you the thing I like about because of the times is because we give place here for the moving of the spirit I can tell you as an evangelist that some churches I preach in are a perfect drag. You may sit down or stand up, I don't care. Some places are a drag. They start at a certain time. They're going to sing three songs no matter what happens. They're going to make those miserable announcements at exactly the same time every night. And the choir must sing because it's practiced. And we dare not offend the musicians. But let me tell you how it really is. When you get to singing some song and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost begins to move and people's hands begin to go in the air. That's why we came to church. That is the exact thing we came to church for. And when God begins to move, why don't you scrap your programs? Why don't you scrap your traditions? Why don't you scrap it all? And say, Jesus, where do you want me to go? I'll climb over the pews. I'll go down the aisle. I'll drag him to the front. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Because that is what God is trying to do with us in this hour. Don't worry about the offering. Take it about 11 o'clock at night. You'll get more money because they'll all be prayed through. That's exactly how it is. It doesn't matter if I preach or not. I don't preach a lot of times because when he steps in, I cannot compete with him. When he comes walking in, I best scrap my notes and say, Jesus, what is it you want me to do here? And I'll go do it. You'll never upstage him. You'll never compete with him. But if you insist, he'll back away. What would ever happen in our churches if when the Holy Ghost came in, if we'd let him do what he wanted to do, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Uh. Say, I like it. Say, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I believe you will. God is in this house. We live in revolutionary times. We need revolutionary leaders. We need revolutionary pastors. We need revolutionary evangelists. And you've got one. I want to do it. I want to see it. And God is doing it. And I am seeing it. So tonight, as a self-appointed defense lawyer for all of us, 
present here and representing you in particular, I'd like to say I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Ghost power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, products, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. Lean on His presence. Walk by patience. Lift by prayer and labor by power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way rough. My companions few. My guide reliable. My mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Jesus. I am a disciple of His. I must go till He comes. Give till I drop Preach till all know And work until he stops me And when he comes for his own I'll be there Because I am committed uh, Hallelujah uh, Hallelujah You may be seated Let me say this as kindly as I know how to say it No Baptist will ever convert me Now no Catholic would ever convert me. No JW will ever convert me. No Mormon will ever convert me. A Jehovah's Witness knocked on my door one day and began their spiel. And I stopped them in the middle of it and I said, let me tell you something. I'm the real Jehovah's Witness. He looked at me. He looked at me. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm the real Jehovah Witness because I know who Jehovah is. You don't even know who he is. I know his name. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. I'm a real Jehovah Witness. That's what you are. You're a real Jehovah Witness. You are a real Jehovah Witness because we know who Jehovah is. He's the first. He's the last. He's the Alpha. He is the Omega. That's why Jesus said, he said, when you see me, you have seen the Father, I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. He made himself God. He made himself the flame in the burning bush. He made himself the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He made himself the cloud. He made himself the pillar. He made himself the great I am. He made himself God in the flesh. Baptist, we do it right in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll take it a step farther. We're the real Catholics too. 
because Catholic means universal. We are the only universal bunch on face of planet earth. Doesn't make any difference what color your skin is. Red, yellow, black, green, purple, or white. When you've been to the water in Jesus' name. When you've spoken with tongues as the Holy Ghost came. You're my brother. You're my sister. We belong to the royal household of faith. We belong to the royal household of faith. We are the universal church. We are the universal church. I remember... I remember one day in Schenectady, New York, I was witnessing to a Roman Catholic lady. She did not like what I was saying. She was trying to turn me off. And I knew I had nothing to lose, everything to gain. And when you're backside the desert and nobody knows you exist, you get away with a lot of things. I'm getting older now and I get away with more because I'm getting older. I can say things I didn't used to be able to say when I was younger. I always thought it. I dare not risk it, but now I can get away with it. And I've been saying it. This Roman Catholic woman, I knew I had nothing to lose. I might as well give it to her both barrels. So I pulled back and fired. I said, lady, just remember this. The next time you kneel before the statue of Mary, if she could come to life, she'd grab you by your ugly head and she'd pray you through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost because she had it. She had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I tell you tonight, if there was ever a day when we ought to stand up and be counted and say, yes, I'm one of them. Yes, I'm one of them. It's in this hour, folks. It's in this hour. It's in this hour. You talk about an ecumenical uproar in those ecumenical councils they have in the Vatican. If that statue of Peter could ever come alive, he'd jump down off that pedestal. He'd have to limp because they've kissed his foot away. He'd be crippled. But he'd hobble in there and he'd climb up on that high altar and he'd lift a hand and say, Repent! And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, because he had it, because he had it. Do you understand me tonight? We've got it. 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 Say, I've got it. Then why don't you act like it? I'm at the point in all of this I don't care what anybody says I don't care what anybody thinks It doesn't make a difference to me I've got it And I know I've got it I've had it for 29 years This is the best thing That has ever happened to me It's just as real tonight As it was the first night I ever got it Oh. 
I made up my mind before Christmas I'm going to preach this message if I have to preach to the squirrels behind my house in the woods I'm preaching this message and not another one I'm preaching this one because this is the one that got me saved it was good enough to save me and it's good enough to keep me and so I'm going to keep preaching it and just keep preaching it and keep preaching it because this is the truth I will never be converted by anybody else nobody will ever convert me because Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you what? It will set you free. I am free of all those other doctrines, all those other dogmas, all those other ideologies. They don't have it. I have it. That's why in our congregations there are ex-Baptists here tonight. There are ex-Catholics here tonight. There are ex-Mormons here tonight. There's ex-everything here tonight. You know why? Because this is better. This is better than where you were. This is better than where you were. There are ex-hippies here. There are ex-junkies here. Everything else. It's be- this is better. This is better. This is better, Jeffrey. This is better. This is better than anything you ever found on New York streets. This is better than anything you ever found out there. It's all in here. It's all in here. It's all in here here. It's all in here. It's the Holy Ghost and fire and it's keeping us alive. It's keeping us alive. Just throw a whole bunch of logs on the fire. Don't just throw one. Throw the whole stack on and just let it go up. Just let it go up. Let's not do it one log at a time. Let's throw the whole wood pile on and just let it go anywhere it wants to go. Would you clap again and shout with your voice of triumph unto the Lord. For God is great and mighty. Several years ago, there was an article in Reader's Digest. It was a true story. There was a family in the southwest of this country. They were on a vacation. They wanted to have a picnic in the desert. So, they drove into the desert. They drove along on the main road. And there were signs along the main road that said, Don't leave the main road. Don't take the side roads. There were many side roads. But you know, in their vacation spirit, and in their activities, and their love of fun, and adventure, there was one side road that looked particularly interesting to them. So, it was a nice day, the sun was shining, all looked well. And they took this side road and drove back in there a couple of miles and found this picturesque spot and got out and loaded the picnic lunch, spread the tablecloth on the sand and began to enjoy the picnic. But suddenly, the wind began to blow and a desert storm came up and they had to pick everything up and they had to get in the car to escape the wind and the beating sand. And the wind blew, and the sand was shifted every direction. And after an hour or two, they came out when the storm subsided, but they no longer could see the road. The shifting sand had covered the road, and they did not know in which direction to go to get back to the main road. The sun became hotter and hotter. The first night, 
They stayed alone in the darkness of the desert. But when the sun rose in the morning, it was so scorching hot. And they ran out of food, and they ran out of water. And the next day came, and those parents dug holes under the car and buried their children up to the neck to save their lives. And they drank their own urine. A helicopter miraculously spotted them and came and just before they expired they were lifted out of here and taken to hospitals and their lives were saved. Let me say to you tonight that we are on the main road. We are on the main road. There are signs that are saying in this hour, don't leave the main road. I know there are many side roads. It may look adventurous. It may look appealing. But whatever you do, don't leave the main road. Because if you go down those side roads, you may never ever get back. Because there's a shifting. There's a blowing. There's something happening in this hour that that has never happened in the 29 years I've been in this. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And only that which cannot be shaken is going to remain. I've got to hold on to this. I've got myself in a chariot of revival. And I've got to hang on in this chariot. No matter how rough the ride is. I've just got to hang on and bounce along with everything. Because we've got a hold of it. And I can tell you tonight that the sign that stands along the road, that points the way, stands alone. You may have to stand alone, but don't leave the main road. Don't leave it. But there are voices. There are so many voices in this hour. Voices everywhere, all kinds of voices, all kinds of persuasions, little voices, big voices, powerful voices, weak voices, treacherous voices, true voices, and your head is spinning. Voices everywhere. But there are five major voices that speak to us. Number one, your flesh speaks to you. And your flesh has a powerful voice. Number two, your human spirit has a voice. Your soul has a voice. The human spirit is really the breath of God. And the human spirit recognizes the spirit of God when it comes in contact with the spirit of God. That's why sinners and people off the street will come into our services and their human spirit recognizes the breath of God that is in this place. That's why they'll hang on the back of pews until their knuckles are white because they recognize the spirit of God. Those human spirits know him. The soul of man has a voice also. And the soul is the seat of the human will. And the tragedy is that the spirit of man that would like to get free is wrapped up with a body that is sensual and a will that is stubborn. 
That's why preachers have to burn up alive before people sometimes. That's why the anointing has got to be there to break away your flesh and to somehow crack your will so that the human spirit can get to a place where it can reach out and touch him. The reason that someone come to devastation, sickness, and broken bodies is because God sometimes, in answer to the prayers of the family, he's got to put a wedge against that body and he begins to pound until he can break that flesh away until that human spirit can get out. I'm remembering things that I haven't thought about for a long time. It's like voices from my beginnings in this are beginning to cry out to me. For example, I grew up in a farm community in the state of Iowa. There was a man in Knoxville, Iowa. You know him, Brother Lumpkin. Bill Wilson was his name. He has known me all of my life. He knew me all my life. He watched me in high school. He watched me in high school activities. He knew it was a small place. I got in the church, and Sister Madden used to invite me when I would preach in the Knoxville church. She used to invite me to come to their home on Sunday after church for dinner. And Bill would be there, the whole family. But we knew that we weren't supposed to talk about church or what happened in the service because it was his house and he didn't want to hear it. So we'd go through the motions. And time came and went. I got out of Bible school. My mother called me one day. She said, Lee, she said, I want you to pray for Bill Wilson. She's come down with cancer of the spine. She said, would you please pray for him? I said, yes, I will. Time came and went. I love the Wilsons. I still love the Wilsons. Madeline Wilson is a saint of Almighty God. So I went to Des Moines, about 40 miles from there. By this time, Bill was flat on his back in bed, and he could not get up. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, If you'll go in the morning and lay hands on him, I will give him the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I called Sister Wilson that night. And I said, Sister Wilson, this is Brother Stone King. God has just spoken to me and told me, if I will come to your home in the morning, that God will give your husband, Bill, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She began to sob. Because as long as I'd ever known her, in every service I was in with her, her hand was always in the air, and the request was always the same. Pray for Bill. Pray that Bill will be saved. Pray for Bill. Pray for Bill. Over and over and over and over. I heard it. Now, he's lying flat on his back in a bed. Next morning, I got up. She said, if you'll wait until about 10.30, I'll have him dressed, bathed, and it'll be appropriate for you to come. They lived in a small apartment at the back of a third-story building, right on the square of the city. I went, took a friend of mine. We went up those stairs, walked up the flight of stairs. When we got to the third floor, the door was open, and Sister Madeline Wilson was standing in the door. And when I walked through the door, I went across.
across the kitchen. I walked into this little living room and Bill was lying on this couch, on this bed in front of the window. And when I walked into the room, his human spirit walked out of him and greeted me in the floor before I ever got to his body. His body was broken away. I knelt down beside him. I put my hands on his head and he began to weep. I said, Bill, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when I said, in Jesus' name, the man fell back on the pillow and he began to speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. Sister Madeline began to dance on the floor and speak with tongues. She ran to the telephone in minutes. It seemed like minutes to me. All kinds of saints were running up those stairs. They were dancing in the kitchen. They were in that little living room where Bill lay. Here he is speaking with tongues. Never been to a full service in his whole life. Never having heard anybody speak with tongues. And reached out to me and said, Brother Stone King, I never knew that it could be like this. I just never knew it could be like this. They put him on a stretcher and they baptized him in a horse tank in the name of Jesus. But he went on to receive his reward victoriously in the clouds of glory. But the flesh sometimes has got to be broken away. Your flesh speaks, the human spirit speaks, our soul speaks, Satan speaks, but God speaks. For the sake of illustration here tonight, and for that sake only, everything dies without it. Let's say, God forbid, that as you leave here tonight, you and your family are involved in a terrible car accident. You're smashed, pinned in, bleeding, and for all you know, dying. Your flesh will say to you, help yourself. You're in pain. Try to get out of here. That's the first voice you'll hear. Your human spirit will say, help your wife, your son, your daughter, your brother, your friend. Your soul will say, help everybody that's lying out there. But then the voice of Satan will say, look what God has let happen to you after all you've done for him. But then suddenly, the voice of God speaks. And God will say, trust me, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make a way for you. Those voices speak to us. And unless you know how to deal with those voices, you can end up in shipwreck. Because those voices are screaming at us, most of them, every day, every day, every day. When I was first converted in this, and got out of Bible school, I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I did this. I didn't know any better. I was just ignorant. But I used to read through the listing of the gifts of the Spirit. And when I would get to discerning of spirits, it sounded intriguing to me. It sounded like something that would be really powerful to have a hold of. 
It just sounded uh, influential, like it would make me somebody special if I had discerning of spirits. So in total ignorance, I begin to pray morning, noon, and night, all the time, fast and pray. God, I want discerning of spirits. Give me discerning of spirits. I want discerning of spirits. Whatever that is, I want it. <laughs> God answers prayer. One day, I woke up with something. Something that I did not have before. I could walk down a street and people would just stop and look at me. And it would unnerve me. I used to walk into restaurants in those days. I remember one occasion, everybody stopped eating and just looked at me. And I thought something was missing. And I quickly took inventory. But everything was there. It wasn't me. It was him that liveth in me. They that sat in darkness saw a great light. And you are that light. And when you walk in among them, they see him. That's why when you come out of a service like this, don't go to some restaurant or some pizza hut by yourself. Take 10 or 12 of us with you. If I go in by myself, all those spirits and the whole place will try to torment me. They know that something greater than they are has walked in. Those oppressing spirits, those demonic spirits, they can feel him. And they'll stop and they'll hassle you. I don't want to go out to a restaurant after I've preached a powerful evangelistic service and some revival. I want to go to the pastor's house. I don't want to go to a restaurant. Unless we all go together, then we'll handle them big time and drive them out. I would to God after this service tonight, you'd go into these restaurants all over this city, borrow a tambourine from somebody, and when you go through the door, just shake it a little bit. If you'll shake it just a little bit, something will happen. I would to God we could go into the restaurants tonight, dancing and shouting and worshiping God and singing and clapping our hands. And if they ask any questions, say, I've been over there to the first Pentecostals. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I know a place where they did it. And the manager came running. He said, what is this? And they said, we've just come out of a Pentecostal revival meeting. We saw a man healed. People got the Holy Ghost. Because these five young married men, the service went so long but their wives took the children and went home and the men went out by themselves and the one was a dancer and a worshiper of God and he had that tambourine still in his hand and when he got in the entrance of the restaurant he lifted his knee and shook that tambourine and it fell on the other four fellows and they began to dance in the entrance of the restaurant.
You talk about bringing things to a screeching halt. Everything came to a screeching halt. They came in the restaurant dancing and praising God. And the manager said, what is this? And when they explained it, the manager reached out his hands with tears in his eyes. He said, this is what I need. 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 do it more than that be convinced that I'm remembering things that I'm remembering in the last few weeks that I had almost forgotten about one of them was the voice of a young Jewish man about 35 years of age in Pleasantville, New Jersey where I preached when I first went to the East Coast I preached a revival meeting this young Jewish man Listen to me preach. At the end of the service, he came into the altar area. He said, I want to talk with you. He said, would you talk with me? I said, yes, I will. I sat down and began to talk with him in a little private place. And he listened to me as I gave him all the reasons why he should believe that Jesus is his Messiah. And then he stopped me. He said, listen to me. Listen to me. He said, I've got a problem. He said, in the war, an enemy fell into my hands. And he said, I had a knife in my hand. And he said, I cut his throat. And he said, his blood ran down over my hands. He said, he was the enemy. He said, but I killed him. He said, I don't know why. I've been to psychologist. I've been to psychiatrist. He said, Brother Stone King, I keep washing my hands over and over and over again. He said, until the skin has become raw, I have to use special creams. He said, what is wrong with me? I said, oh, the answer is very simple. You are trying to wash that man's blood off your hands. And there's only one I know that can wash that blood off your hands. But then think about something else here tonight. There's another one whose blood I will never be able to wash off my hands. No matter what I do, I cannot get his blood off my hands. It is screaming at me to become a fanatic. It is screaming at me to become a fanatic. It is screaming. 
looking at me to preach it harder than I have ever preached it before. It is screaming at me. You Bible school students here tonight, you ought to go back to those schools wherever you come from and you ought to tear it up. You ought to tear it up because they cannot fight results. If you get results, they will not fight results. Why don't you drag them to church? Why don't you tell everybody? Why don't you preach those chapel services like you really meant it? Why don't you go after faculty members? Why don't you do everything you possibly can? It's now or never for us! I went to a revival upstate New York several years ago. The pastor met me and said, we've got to go to the hospital immediately. He said, they're releasing a woman from the hospital and this woman is coming to my service tonight and she's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, well, what is the story? He said, this is the story. This Roman Catholic woman had bleeding ulcers. She was hospitalized. They couldn't help her. Everything they gave her, the pain, just increased and increased. One night, in the darkness of the night, she pulled out the rosary from the drawer and she began to run her fingers over these beads. Hail Mary, full of grace, our Father. Hail Mary, full of grace, our Father. She went around it and around it and around it. But the pain did not subside. And so she took that rosary in her hands and she wadded it up and she smashed it against the hospital wall. And she said, that thing doesn't work. And all of a sudden, the light came on outside her bedroom window. And she thought someone had just turned the light on outside. But the light became brighter and brighter and brighter. And suddenly in the window, she saw this figure in white. And he began to come through the glass. And she thought she was dying. But this figure in white walked up to her bedside. And he said, try me. She said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus. She reached her hands to him and said, in Jesus' name. And she was healed instantaneously. Instantaneously. The next morning, the doctor said, we're going to release you. We can't find anything wrong with you. So she knew she had something more than the Roman Catholic Church had. So she got the phone book out, trying to find a church that could help her. And in the yellow pages, she began to go down the list of churches. And the United Pentecostal Church was listed there. And as she was running her finger along, she had heard things about us. So her finger went beyond the UPC ad. But there was a power, she said, that took a hold of her finger and pulled her finger back across the page to the United Pentecostal Church ad. She pulled it away again and went downward, but that same force came back and pulled her finger back to that same ad. And she knew that she had to call that number, and that's how she had got a hold of the pastor. She told him her story, and now we're at the hospital. Here is a woman I've never seen. She comes out of the bed. Her husband has been alerted. He's meeting us at the church in a home missionary setting, and we're going to baptize her in the name of Jesus before the service ever begins. Her husband does not 
not know what to think. The doctors don't understand at all. But we get her to the church. She changes clothes. We're in the basement of this humble home missionary setting. I've got my arm around her husband's shoulder telling him, don't be afraid. It's all right. We've all come like this. Something wonderful has happened to your wife. And we're singing some little old song there like we do. And the Spirit of God is beginning to move. And he's beginning to weep. All of a sudden, the door opens at the top of the stairs. And down comes his wife in this baptismal robe. But as she walks down these stairs, steps, ladies and gentlemen. She stops on the steps and she turns sideways and it looks to us like she's just looking into space and she stands there for several seconds and then she turns and she is visibly moved and she walks on down the stairs and she climbs into this baptismal tank and she turns to us and she says the same figure in white that came through my window at the hospital just met me on the stairs and said this is the truth walk ye herein this is the truth walk ye herein if God, if God would go to such an extent to save a soul, my God, my God, what should we be doing in this hour with what we have a hold of? There is no excuse for not having a revival because this message works. This message works. This message works. This message works. Say, I want it. In just a few moments here, people are going to be healed all over this house. In just a few moments, it's beginning to build. There is great faith in this house. There is an overflow of the message this afternoon. And that same goodness and that same forgiveness is in this house. He is here to perform the miraculous. He is here to perform the miraculous and to heal. And to deliver. Say, I've got it. I want to tell you one more story because these things are beginning to scream at me. There are voices, voices louder than the world, voices louder than politics, voices louder than anything else that are beginning to cry at me. In 1986, I had almost forgotten the details I had to go through and try to remember this afternoon to this camp meeting in Oregon. There was a woman who came in a wheelchair. Her head was sideways like this. Her wrists and hands were in leather straps with buckles on them. She was just all bent over. Her wheelchair was motorized. She could push a lever and the chair would bring her down to the front. Each night when the altar call was given, this woman was the first one in the altar. What we didn't know was until Wednesday night was that this woman had been sleeping on the ground, on the grass, in a tent on the campground. And she was alone and she had to pull herself up from her sleeping bag, try to dress herself, put herself in the wheelchair. And she got to that tabernacle. She was sleeping on the grass at night and nobody knew it. But she wanted something from God. 
she was the first one again in the altar Tuesday night. I prayed for her. Others prayed for her. But on Wednesday night, faith was so high in that place that that woman somehow pulled herself up and she got to her feet and when she stood and tried to raise her hands the power of God fell in that place when the service concluded I didn't know this till the next day the woman had a spell and her blood pressure dropped drastically low some of the women found her. She was crying out, came into the tent, got her. They got an ambulance and they took her to the local hospital. The doctor said, this woman is dying. She will not live more than about a month. Put her in a nursing home. Don't take her back to that crowd and all that excitement. And this soul had enough presence of mind that she heard what the doctor was saying and with what strength she had. She raised herself and said, no, take me back to the people of God. Take me back to that camp meeting. I want to go. And so the saints that were with her began to pray and cry and sob. And God revived her. And they found out the story. They put her in the women's dormitory and assigned some women to take care of her. And her blood pressure came back up. On Thursday night, she was in the service again. And this night, at the end of my preaching, I walked to her and I prayed a prayer. And I felt virtue, as I call it, go out of me. It flowed out of me. I could feel it. And I turned and was dragged away over here to help someone else. And when I got over here, after about five minutes, there was such an explosion behind me, but I couldn't see anything because preachers were climbing up on pews. They were up on the platform. I couldn't see what had happened. I said to a friend of mine, what happened? They said, climb up and see. And so I climbed up on the back of a pew and I looked over and I saw this and for those of us who demand medical documentation we've got it on this one I watched her with my own hands she loosed the straps the leather straps she unbuckled them I watched her throw those straps to the floor and with hands she reached out and pulled herself up in that wheelchair and she raised her twisted arms and as I watched her hands straightened and her head straightened and the woman began to walk out of the wheelchair she walked out of that wheelchair and the people began to fall in behind her making a victory march and that ex-cripple led a victory march around that entire campground and people were singing and they were shouting they were worshiping God
that night at the end of that service the wheelchair was left empty standing at the altar but its victim walks out of there free by the power of this man called Jesus the next morning she walked into the Bible study with pad and pencil in hand and took notes that night she was helping to pray others through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and Saturday morning she was in the kitchen doing dishes helping the cleanup and she's still healed tonight the doctor said it is a miracle it is a miracle ladies and gentlemen hear me tonight this Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever Pentecostal at this because of the times we've got to believe it like we've never believed it before you've got to declare it you've got to come to grips with this I've got it and he will do it for me he will do it for me say I've got it say I've got it say I've got it with one voice.
Do it one more time. Cry out to the Lord and God will give you direction. God is going to lead you to somebody tonight. You're going to do some things here you've never ever done before. There is great demonstration in this house tonight. I challenge you, as Billy Cole challenged you this afternoon, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. This is our hour, Pentecostal. This is our day. I challenge you to climb over a pew, to go after somebody, to lay your hands on somebody tonight, and to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ in the name of Jesus 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 by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth don't let up don't let go in the name of Jesus don't let up and don't let go in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus release your faith just as easily as you feel him you are healed in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost Hallelujah, 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 in the name of Jesus. This is this lady. God's going to heal you right there where you stand in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be thou healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth by the power of the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just stretch out your hand. Just stretch out your hand. Just stretch out your hand in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, in the name of 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 Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the
If you do not need a healing, would you at least lift your hands and worship the Lord? If you do not need a healing, would you at least lift your hands and worship the Lord? That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Strength to come to those legs. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Reach over and touch somebody. There are all kinds of things happening in this place tonight. From the balcony to the floor. From the left to the right. From the right to the left. Hallelujah. The healer is in the house tonight. There are healings and deliverances in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name... It's happening, folks. It's happening. Just let your voice out. Cry out to the Lord, he said. And he would perform miracles among us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
This Baptist preacher is receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would you lift your hands and worship God? Hallelujah.
Don't let go of this for just a moment. This Baptist preacher has just received the Holy Ghost. Would you lift your hands and worship the Lord? Let your voice out one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Right over here he is. Hallelujah. 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 Just close your eyes. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let your voice out in worship and in praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.